I'm Jody Weitz, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody White's, your professional coach, making sure you get nothing less than a spectacular life. We're here today with Craig Andrews. Hi, Craig. Hi there. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you for being on the show. Delighted. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about Craig. Craig Andrews is the principal ally and founder of marketing agency Allies for Me. Using a proven method that mimics the stage of courtship, Allies for Me helps companies find strangers and converts them into high paying customers. An eight stage customer value journey is the framework that leads somebody from first contact to post purchase. Add value at each and every stage of the journey, a first time offer is like a coffee date. It's a low commitment and low risk way to test the relationship. When you do this well, your prospect starts asking you to close the deal. This relational framework builds trust faster. It drives revenues faster and it strengthens customer loyalty after the purchase. Craig and the Allies for Me team are consummate students of psychology and use these insights to supercharge sales engines for clients. Wow, Craig, it sounds like you got sales all figured out. I I like that. If it could be as stress-free and easy as a coffee date, yeah. And, you know, so the interesting thing is I'm actually not good at sales. I'm a, I'm a marketing <laughs> person that figured out uh, somehow I had to sell. And the way I like to describe it is we actually don't sell. We really don't. Instead, we create environments where people want to buy. Ooh, okay. Uh, that sounds intriguing. So give me a little background on that. Yeah. So the... Well, sort of the genesis of it was um, I just wasn't able to close that many deals. I was spending lots of time uh, chasing, you know, our, people that work with us. It's not a impulse purchase. It, you know, it's a financial commitment. Yes. And you know, the usual deal is, at least for my industry, the you're you've got um, the proposal game. You're going up against multiple proposals, and the interesting thing about that is the people who are evaluating the proposals aren't typically qualified to do so. That's why they're hiring you and they have to make a judgment call. And so many times you look at it and you say, you know, if you understood what was in that other proposal, you would understand, you you would probably change your mind. And since that wasn't working well and proposals just take an enormous amount of time, we decided to change the game and what we do is we structure a mini project at the uh, the very beginning and we price it at a, a stupidly cheap price. So if you're sitting in front of a qualified buyer, somebody who is serious 
about solving the problem you solve and you present this offer to them, the only answer they'll give will be yes. Great. Wow. And a mini project. So is that just a, a small focused amount of time that you're going to spend solving one part of their project? We typically break it out in three to five deliverables, whether we're doing it for ourselves or whether we're helping one of our clients do it. So we just recently launched one that has four deliverables. But if you think about each deliverable as a milestone uh, that brings them one step closer to their ultimate goal. So if somebody reaches out to you with a need, you know they have a distant goal in mind that they want to achieve. And so our advice to you would be, let's map out three to five milestones that move them closer to, your, to their goal while not eliminating the need to engage you at a deeper level where, where you really make your business. Uh, because typically when we price these first-time offers, we price them at one-tenth the value. Wow. You know, so like the market fair market value of something, um, let's say it's $5,000 you're going to see that we're pricing the first time offer around uh, $500. And what that does is that removes a lot of risk out of the equation. Uh, if you're doing B2B sales, uh, and then that number changes based on whether it's B2B or B2C, but if you're doing B2B sales, uh, it turns out $500 is what most people can spend with uh, total impunity. Nobody's going to hunt them down to find out how they spent that money. Mm. And so you're taking risk out uh, that that way, but you're delivering enormous value. And if somebody is a serious shopper and is is ready to gauge, engage, they're going to look at that and they're just going to say yes. Mm -hmm. And then in the process of working through the deliverables, there are a few things that we put in place that improve the um, improve the odds. So like one of the deliverables, we always want to be kind of a co-working workshop where the where the customer is actually contributing to the deliverable, uh, which is very, very important. The, um, the last deliverable, and this one is can be a little bit confusing, but bear with me, I'll walk you through it. The last deliverable should be the solution to a problem that is created by the successful delivery of the preceding deliverables. So that's a lot of words that's confusing. Yeah. So Let me give you a way of breaking yeah. that down. Yeah. If you buy a boat, so you live in the Bay Area, if you buy a boat, the next problem you're going to have is you're going to need a boat slip, a place to store your boat. And so that's you know helping somebody solve where to dock their boat is helping them solve the problem that's created by the solution of the preceding deliverable, which is I need to figure out what boat I want. So if I were in the business of selling boats, I would... When somebody came in the store and said that they wanted to buy a boat, I would tell them, I'd say, we're going to help you find exactly the boat that's best for you. And once you find that boat, the next problem you're going to have is knowing where you want to dock it. Well, guess what? We have relationships with all the marinas in the area. We know their rates. Uh, we, <clears throat> we know we have direct contact with them. We're going to find out where you live and what your needs are. And we're going to help you find the marina that's perfect for you. Mm. And so... Once you do that, you'll be able to go on, go on your way and start enjoying your boat. What we've done for that person mentally is they came in looking for a boat. They haven't started thinking about the next steps, or if they have, they're not quite there. 
but we've taken them uh, mentally and emotionally past the boat purchase. They're picturing themselves waking up on Saturday morning, walking down to the wharf with a picnic in hand, family, smiling, laughing, cheering them on as they get on the boat and they enjoy the, the day. And they're already picturing that success. And so that's why we describe it as you want to solve the problem. The last deliverable should solve the problem that's created by the successful delivery of the preceding deliverables. Great. You know, I'm, I'm hearing that there's a lot of value in this first um, mini project setup. All right. I mean, you're building on it, you're getting them involved um, and you're painting a picture of exactly where they want to be as easy as possible. Now, you know, obviously, if if I was a business person, I would be thinking, all right, I, I want the I want the bigger ticket item, you know, the one tenth, not gonna not gonna pay for a lot of my bills. So how do you structure the next phase of getting them to jump on to bigger and better things and bigger and better funds? Well, so the, you know, again, we're, we're just taking them through three to five milestones that moves them towards their goal. They have not yet reached their goal. So they still have that goal. You're just going the first few steps in the, in the process. And so when you get to the end, <clears throat> the natural thing would be to say, hey, how do we move forward? Now, for us, when we do a first-time offer for someone, we actually include that in the deliverables. Here are the next steps. Uh, we actually give them a, a you know, 90-day execution plan. We tell them you have three choices. Uh, your first choice is you can take it and execute it yourself. Your second choice is you can take it to someone else to execute on your behalf. And your third choice is if we mutually agree, we will help you execute it. And so that kind of sets up the next steps. But let me jump back to the whole coffee date scenario. So you know, I'm uh, very thankfully, happily married. My, um, uh, my wife and I are approaching our 11th anniversary. And she very literally saved my life about 18 months ago. Hmm. And um, so I have to go back in time to picture back when I was still dating. And even when I dated her, the, we started talking. And the first date was a coffee date, right? So we go somewhere and we talk. We try to figure out if there's something there if there's some chemistry. If there's no chemistry, that's where it ends. No real hurt feelings unless somebody does something colossally horrible during it, but the you, know, you just kind of walk away. And you know, I think uh, I've heard, don't know, but you know, I think women sometimes have their girlfriends call in about 15 minutes into the coffee date to see if they need a rescue. And maybe they're <laughs> parked around the right. corner. Oh, I've got to go. Um, emergency, right, right. exactly. And so that's the thing. We have coffee dates because we're trying to remove risk. We're jumping into something potentially big, but we don't know how far we want to jump. Well, if you're doing high ticket sales, it could be B2B or it could be B2C. It really doesn't matter. But if you're doing high ticket sales, people are a little bit cautious. You know, if your product or service is five figures, six figures, seven figures, they are understandably going to be cautious. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to do all their research to remove the risk of purchase so that when they move forward, it was a good choice. 
Well, this little coffee date, this little first time offer says, hey, we're going to work together. We're going to do all these things together. It's going to cost you virtually nothing. And if it doesn't go well, we both go our own ways. There's no further commitments. And, and it's just, it really does mimic, you know, were talking about mimicking the stages of courtship. That's kind of that stage. But if the coffee date goes well, we like them, they like us, we, we move forward. And it's, I mean, it's really wonderful. It's, it's saved, I know for me personally, it saved me from working with some people that were just, would have been horrible, horrible yeah. fits. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it makes sense because if you know, business is about relationships, so if you can establish a positive relationship with someone, they like you, they're going to want to be with you. On the mm -hmm. other hand, if you know that whatever you do, you're not going to satisfy this person, you know, it, it's time to step away. And right. instead of wasting all that time, um, so it, it sounds great. Um, now, I know that you talk a lot about a first time offer. Is, is that the project that we're talking about? Is that how are you structuring a first time offer? Yeah, so the, <clears throat> in answering that, let me go back to something you said earlier. You're talking about how we price it roughly one-tenth of its value. If you're to be able to pull this off, you have to know or at least have a reasonable idea of what your the lifetime value of a customer is. If you don't know that, it's going to be really hard to go in here and, and do anything wisely. Uh, but we had somebody we were working with a number of years ago who... His lifetime value, when we started interviewing him, we asked him, what's lifetime value of a customer? And we find a lot of people don't know that answer when we get on the phone with them. So we kind of coach them through it because we need to know. We need to understand if, if there's an opportunity for success here. Uh, back to the whole dating thing. You know, if you're a cat person, I'm a dog person. We need to understand that. Maybe, maybe we find out that you hate dogs and I hate cats. We don't go for coffee. Uh, but the in the process... I found out that the lifetime value of a customer for him was $5 million. And I asked him, I said, well, how much, if the lifetime value of a customer to you is, is 5 million, how much would you be willing to spend to acquire a new customer? And he paused and thought about it. And he came back and he said, I'd be willing to spend a million. It's like, that's great. We can drive a bus through that. Um, that's, so in, in terms of structuring it, that's the first thing is we have to make sure we understand what success is. And, you know, he understood that he would take the deal. You know, I give you a million, you give me 5 million. I'll do that deal every day of the week. That's good business. Yeah. Um, then we have to, the process of actually putting it together is hard. It, it takes, uh, it takes a full day workshop with, typically some pre-work before that. And the hardest thing that we have to, uh, to do is get somebody out of the mood of selling. <laughs> well, I, I think that would be an easy task because selling is, for most of us, um, a stressful proposition. It, it is, but when what ends up happening is people are so focused on the sale that 
in going through the workshop, they, they lose track of what's ultimately going to deliver a first-time offer. So one of our principles is if you would not send your best friend through your sales funnel, then you have a broken funnel. And so the way we structure our process is one, we, we dig in, we try to understand the pain points and, and all of that. And that is the unforgivable sin. If you don't, if you don't hit the pain points, right, there's, it's unrecoverable. You can't put together a good first time offer, but we try to understand that. We try to understand a lot of that about their customer. And then we, we construct a problem statement that's made of the top five pain points. And we work on it, spend some time working on it. And we come up with a problem statement that would describe a pain that a very real person that potentially would be a customer of theirs would have. And then we ask if, if, if you're having dinner with a friend and this friend read this problem statement to you describing the pains, you know, the troubles they were having. And for whatever reason, you knew that you would never be able to sell them your product or service. And you just decided to be benevolent and give them five hours of your life to help them remove this pain. How would you use those five hours? And so that's the critical step by, you know, what I mean by getting people out of sales mode, they're usually busy trying to connect the dots from meeting this person to having a big fat check land in their bank account. <laughs> right. They're hoping, we have to, <laughs> yeah. they're hoping it'll be easy like that. Yeah. And, and, and that's ultimately the goal. That's where we're going. But to get there, we have to disrupt that thought process mm -hmm. and put them in a thought process of if one of your friends came to you with just this deep pain and wanted your help and you knew you wouldn't sell to them, but you would devote five hours of your life to helping them, what would you do? All of a sudden, we start getting much more, uh, much better answers mm -hmm. because they're not gimmicks. This is truly something you would do for a friend. And I've actually put that to the test many times. Um, you know, back in 2000, when COVID first hit and the stock market crashed, I had a client or I had a friend, a buddy who was a self-investor and had a lot of money invested. And I directed them to an active client and said, here's what you do. Here's how you get their offer. It's an amazing deal. And it was truly the best advice I could give to my friend in that moment. Hmm. I could proudly give to him because he was going to get insane value for a stupidly cheap price that would help solve his pain. Now, more recently, uh, so I was in 21, I was in the hospital for three months and uh, very nearly died. Uh, the hmm. belief was I was going to die. And three days uh, before I went on the ventilator, the daughter of a lifetime mentor did die. Of the very, mm -hmm. you know, I had COVID and she had COVID as well, and she died. And I woke up six weeks later, uh, discovering, you know, uh, learning what had been happening over the last six weeks. And shortly after that, her brother contacted me needing some help for marketing, you know, the son of this lifetime mentor. And one, I, I, I told him, I said, look, I'm not working for the rest of the year. I need to recover. Yeah. Um, and I was secretly kind of hoping he would go away because I just too important of a relationship to, to mess up. He came back a second time. I said, I'm still recovering. And he came back a third time. And I was actually back at work. And I, I knew he would, I actually knew he would never be a client. I just knew that, mm. you know, where his business was, yeah. the, they couldn't support our fees. 
but I also knew he needed help. And the best advice I could give to him was, you know what, we're going to do this mini project together. Mm -hmm. And it's going to point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's going to give you a roadmap of what you need to do. And to this day, I can look his dad in the eyes and say, I took care of your son. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And I like that, that, that again, the mini project is uh, not a great investment of your time. It helps somebody else. And again, potentially if it's the right person can, um, you know, build that relationship with you lifelong. So, um, you know, we were, we were talking about that first time offer and what would you say are the critical steps in building that? I, I understand you have to get the pain points right for your customer. We all have to get the pain points right. So what would you have somebody include in that offer? Well, let me back up a little bit. Let me give you kind of the ingredients and then we can take sure. it a step further. Yeah. Um, so the, the basic ingredients are, it has to be an impulse purchase. That means the coins in the cushion, in your couch, the money in your wallet, or the B2B equivalent of that. If somebody has to think about, do I have the funds for this? You've priced it too high. Whereas if anybody's ever going to hold me accountable for it, you've priced it too high. The second thing is it has to deliver disproportionate value to price. And we've talked about that, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, a, we usually aim for 10X. Uh, it has to solve a problem. And this is really key because if you don't solve a problem, it's not delivering value, at least not in our book. It has to solve a problem. And that's, that's where people get gimmicky when they try to put these things together by themselves is they try some gimmick where they're going to do something, but not really help somebody. I'm like, mm. Well, why would they buy it? Yeah. <laughs> why would you waste your time? I, I would imagine, I mean, all of us truly want to help people and get paid for the value of doing that. Right. So the so you do want it to solve a problem, but it can't solve all of their problems. Yeah. Back to your earlier point, how do you advance to that higher ticket purchase? The um and so um and it lastly should naturally lead to the next step. It should sort of prime them for the next step in the engagement. And so when we look to start putting those together, um, so it's kind of the process uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier. We start with the pain points. You know, we we first we dig in. We understand a lot about their their customer and how they transform the lives of their customer. That's really important. We we're believe very strongly, don't sell what you, don't sell your product or service. Instead, sell the transformation that it mm -hmm. delivers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if um, I always go to Apple because they, you know, back in the era of Steve Jobs, their marketing was just so incredibly amazing. But if you look at Apple, they've moved from selling transformation to, hey, now we have a yellow phone. I mean, mm -hmm. I literally just saw one of their ads. Mm -hmm where it's selling the product or service instead of the transformation. Mm. If you look at some of the older Apple ads, especially before 2010, 2011, I mean, they would just move you. Yeah. And yeah. the, uh, you know, the, like the original iPod uh, ad, you remember it was the dancing silhouettes. That's actually, there's yeah. some really cool psychology yeah. behind that. Yeah. You know, people out there dancing to this music 
Well, when you see a silhouette, your brain does something really amazing. It automatically inserts you into the silhouette. So you see this professional dancer doing these amazing things and your brain's saying, you can do that too. Just go buy an iPod. <laughs> right. And, right. And so that's the transformation. So we spend time trying to understand what's the transformation that you bring to people's lives. And then once we have all that in place, that's when we sit down, we start doing uh, kind of a full day workshop. And the, you know, the first process, the first step is identifying the top five pain points. Second step is uh, defining the problem statement that somebody would reasonably say. Uh, the third step is identifying the three to five deliverables and making sure that those deliverables are properly structured. Uh, and we could really get into the weeds on, on that. Uh, the, and then once we have that in place, we have to start messaging it. And, mm. um, the, and that gets really interesting, but we have kind of a framework that we go through to message it. Uh, one part that's really interesting, we call it the common contrarian grid. And so it's basically four box, boxes. You have, you know, both common and non-contrarian in the lower left. And in the upper right, you have uncommon and contrarian. And then you have two more boxes that are also, you know, the combinations of, you know, uncommon, non-contrarian, uh, common, and contrarian. And what you do is you start looking for messaging to put in each one of those boxes. The reason for that, I'm sorry, this is a little bit off, but it's, it's kind of fascinating. I saw a tweet this morning uh, by a local marketer that I respect a lot for, and I saw he was talking about how AI will fill in. He had a box, a grid of four boxes, a little bit different than mine, but same concept. And he said, chat GPT mm -hmm. will fill one box, which is everybody knows it and everybody agrees with this. That's an important component to the messaging. If you don't have it, when you put your uncommon and your contrarian things out there, if you only communicate that, everybody's going to think you're from Mars. They're not going to believe you. <laughs> it's going to scare them away. So you have to have a balance of different messaging in there where it still highlights you as unique and differentiated mm -hmm. without making you sound like a complete loon. Right. <laughs> wow. It, it sounds great. I know we're all using chat GPT to uh, do everything nowadays, yeah. but um, it is interesting figuring out the psychology of your clients. And again, how do you differentiate? How do you speak about solving the pain points? And then what is the best messaging? Um, how would you build trust through that whole process? So what's really cool is when you do this, and remember I said one stage, you actually have to be working together. Mm -hmm, that co-working. That co-working. When when two people come together to solve a common goal, that just builds such insane trust. And then when you deliver all these other things that come with it for just an incredibly uh, cheap price, you start flipping some levers in people's heads. Uh, so the there are a number of cognitive biases. Uh, I keep a chart. It's, it's on the floor because I've run out of room on the walls, but I have a a chart of 188 cognitive biases that I keep behind my desk. And when I'm trying to solve a problem and I'm stuck, I sometimes just stare at the chart and look for what are what are different levers that we can flip. But the, the cognitive biases that come to work for you here 
the first one is it's uh, it's a principle called consistency that was outlined by Dr. Robert Cialdini, a very great um, mind in the area of compliance. And that is once somebody acts a certain way once, the probability that they will act that way in the future goes up significantly. So once you make somebody act like a customer once, probability that they'll act like a customer in the future goes up significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, and here's a great example from uh, another great marketer is a guy named John Spolstra who lives in Portland. He was the president of the Portland Trailblazers for uh, for most of the 80s until Paul Allen bought the team. And uh, he and Paul had different opinions and one of them was owner and one was not. So uh, John went off, uh, got recruited to uh, sell tickets for the New Jersey Nets, who at the mm. time were the worst team mm. in the league. <laughs> Absolute worst. And John would walk into, uh, by the way, he took them to number one ticket sales. He sold more tickets than the Chicago Bulls sold when Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls. Goodness. Okay. Yeah. But what he would do is he would go in, he put together a really cool package for uh, business uh, leaders. And he'd walk into a company, talk to the president. They would spend 10 minutes telling him how much they hate the Nets and how they would never buy tickets from the Nets. And this is actually kind of a really interesting version of a first-time offer. Uh, a little more simple than the way we're structuring, but the same concept. The So John would say, hey, would your, um, would your leadership team benefit from a motivational speak by Lou Holtz? You know, this is back when motivational speaking was a big thing. And it was Lou Holtz and it was two other people. I forgot their names, but they were similarly big names in the motivational speaking department at the time. And the business owner would say, well, yeah, of course they would benefit. And he would say, well, I have a three uh, ticket pass where they show up at five o'clock. They get a 45 minute speech by uh, Lou Holtz. They have time to go get dinner and then time back to get back in their seats for tip off at seven. And the business uh, owner would say, yeah, I'll take three. And so John would get up, you know, he'd get the agreement, get up. On his way out the door, he would stop and he'd pause and he'd look back and he'd say, are you interested in upgrading those to season passes? And at least half the time, they would. Wow. So the conversation started with, sorry, you know, I'm never going to buy a New Jersey Nets ticket. They suck. Right. And before John leaves the room, he sold a se- uh, three season passes. Well, that's the principle of consistency. Once he got agreement With on that first thing first. and he put a, yeah. a irresistible offer, I'm going to make your leadership team better. Yes. All they have to do is come watch a basketball game. Yeah, that that's brilliant. Um, yeah. And it's amazing that he figured that out. I mean, that is throwing in the big bonus, understanding the pain point that everybody needs to build their sales team or or leadership team and then throwing it out there and almost getting to the door i love that hey what about that he's built trust he's again thrown in value added and they said yes the first time why not go for it the second time yeah that's you know i love all this stuff um i love the psychology of sales um, but I want to get people to be able to contact you, Craig. So 
What would you recommend for our listeners? What um, should they do next in contacting you? So they can come directly to our website, which is alliesforme.com. That's A-L-L-I-E-S, the number four, M-E.com. Or we've also made a gift for your audience. So obviously, we've covered a lot of content here on first-time offers. Well, I didn't tell you this. It took me 18 months of making errors. I screwed up. My first first-time offer was a disaster. Nobody bought it. Nobody wanted it. Mm-hmm. I made mistakes for 18 months and then started figuring it out. Uh, and we've been refining this for years. And I've put together a guide to help you avoid the mistakes that I've made. And not only that, we also have a self-paced course that will go along with this guide. So you can start putting your own together. And so if you go to alliesforme.com slash spectacular life, all lowercase, all the, all the letters together. That will take you to a special registration page. You'll get uh, 23 days access to the course. Let me tell you why I'm doing 23. Again, we study people. That's our job. We study people. I know if you sign up for this course and you'll uh, and not have a time limit, you will never do it. Mm, yeah. We're in the business of changing lives. We want to see businesses thrive. We want to See, the whole way sales is done change to be more, even more about serving your customers. And we want your life to change. We want your business to thrive. Mm. And so we put a 23-day limit on that course so that you'll actually have a deadline to work towards. So that's something. Like so that. both of those are available. Yeah. Uh, just go to alliesforme.com slash spectacular life and all that content is there. Great. Wow, that is very generous. I, um, You're picking my interest, Greg, and I'm sure of many other people. Very generous of you and generous of you to share some of your wisdom and experience on this podcast. Um, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. It's been a delight. It's uh, been a delight meeting you. Great, Craig. Well, well thank you again. Take care and um, can't wait to start digging in. Awesome. Well, good luck with it. Great. Thanks. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.